Welcome to this week's Point Community Church Sunday Sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Point Community Church, please visit our website at tpcc.org.au. Well, last week uh, we began a two-week mini-series on the life of Abraham. And this mini-series, it naturally flows on from our Term 2 preaching and point group series, Romans 1 to 4. And and here's why. Uh, Romans 1 to 3 teaches us that we are all born into sin. That we all deserve God's wrath. But God, in His mercy sent Jesus to cop that wrath in our place. You see, God cannot turn a blind eye to our sin. If he did, God wouldn't be God anymore. God would not be just if he just swept sin under the carpet. And so he sent his son to die for our sin so that God could be just could be righteous as he justified the unjust, the unrighteous. That's a summary of Romans 1 to 3. Why did we spend eight weeks on it? We summarize it even more, don't we, as Christians? Justification by faith. Through faith in Jesus, God justifies sinners. That's Romans 1 to 3. And then Romans 4 tells us about Abraham, how Abraham was also justified by faith. Before Jesus came, God was saving people through faith. Uh, We're told Abraham believed God and God counted that belief, counted that faith as righteousness, as justification. And so last week, We started a little series of Abraham. We looked at Genesis chapter 12 and God's call on Abraham. And here's what we learnt last week. Through faith in Jesus, um, at the time of Abraham, sorry, at the time of Abraham, no one called on the name of the Lord. No one. Everyone on the planet worshipped other gods. Everyone. And so God had to intervene and he called Abraham. Not because Abraham was choice, but because God was merciful. Abraham put his faith in God because God called Abraham. God did not call Abraham because Abraham had faith. It's God's call that is the effective agent in our salvation. God called Abraham and promised to turn Abraham uh, into a mighty nation. He'd have many descendants that would live in a land and would bring God's blessing to the world. Now this week, we'll see that Abraham started to question God's promises. And we're also going to see God's extraordinary and weird response. God's promise is so extraordinary that it continues to be the anchor For you and I today. Something that happened 4,000 years ago is is our anchor today. And so here's how we're going to look at Genesis 15 this morning. Firstly, we're going to look at Abraham's questions. Then we're going to look at God's response, which is God's covenant. 
And then we're going to finish with our anchor. So Abraham's questions, God's covenant, our anchor. That's where we're headed. Firstly, to Abraham's questions. Last week, we saw Abraham was a sinner. In Abraham's day, every single human on the planet worshipped false gods. And so God had to intervene. God called Abraham, told Abraham to leave. Leave your land, leave your culture, and leave your family. And God promised that he would uh, give uh, Abraham all those blessings I mentioned earlier. Now, Abraham obeyed. Abraham put his faith in God and Abraham left everything that he knew. That's Genesis 12. Today we're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 15, so we skip a couple of chapters. You got your Bible open? Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, so after the rest of chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, you can go home and read them. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. If you weren't here last week, in chapter 17, God's gonna, God will call, change Abram's name to Abraham. Abram means daddy, and Abraham means big daddy. Big daddy. All right. Um, come along at Arbo Church, and my kids have corrected me. It's papa and big papa. All right. But for morning church, daddy, big daddy. Uh, father, father of many. So for right now, Abram, Abraham, we're talking about the same person. Okay, Uh, God came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he, that is Abraham, believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But Abraham said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Now, we have a very important decision to make right now as we read that. What is the big idea of those verses? Is it verse 6? Is it Abraham's faith? Abraham believed. Or is it the big, huge promises of God. What are we supposed to emphasize? Are we supposed to emphasize Abraham's belief or God's audacious promises? I think it's both. But we've got to begin with God. We've got to begin with God. In chapter 12, remember, it was the Lord who called Abraham. And then in chapter 15, it's the Lord who came to Abraham. It's the Lord who promised many descendants. It's the Lord who promised that land. By the way, 
a land inhabited by powerful nations, kings. They are huge, huge, huge promises. And we know from last week, Abraham did not deserve those blessings. He was a false worshipper like everyone else. And furthermore, I mean, think about those promises. They are huge. There is no way Abraham could achieve them. And so the emphasis is clearly on God. At the same time, Abraham had to trust. Abraham had to obey. Abraham had to put his faith in God. Abraham had to receive God's promises. Abraham could not achieve those blessings. Abraham had to receive the blessings. One of the mistakes we often make as Christians is to think that it is our faith that saves us. It's an easy mistake to make, isn't it? I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. Justification by faith. It's, it's my faith that God takes and justifies. But here's what we need to remember. Our faith, our obedience, does not earn our salvation. Our faith and obedience never earns our salvation. Our faith and obedience flows out of our salvation. Here's how I said it last week. It's not the size of our faith that matters. It's the object of our faith. Abraham's the best example of all these truths. Abraham is considered the father of faith, and yet his faith was so weak and pitiful. We just heard that God had to come alongside Abraham and say, fear not. Abraham was fearful. Our father of faith was fearful. And remember last week, father of faith was a pagan worshipper before God called him. Go home and read the end of Genesis chapter 12 and you'll be really disappointed in Abraham. Abraham pimped out his own wife just to save his skin. And then in the passage we've just read out today, we hear all of Abraham's doubts. God, how do do I know you're going to give me a son? God, how do I know you're going to give me this land? And so Abraham, father of faith, is a sinner and a doubter. Someone summarized Abraham's life like this. God tells Abraham, go. Abraham says, where? God says, I'll tell you later. Just start wandering. God says to Abraham, I'll give you a child. Abraham says, how? I'm old. My wife's old. God says, I'll tell you later. Just wait. God says to Abraham, now this child is born. His name's Isaac. You can read about it. Genesis chapter 22. And God says, kill your child. Abraham says, why? God says, I'll tell you later. Just grab your child and some fire and head up the hill. God made huge promises to Abraham, which called for huge obedience. While Abraham believed and obeyed, Abraham also expressed doubt and was disobedient. And so as we read... 
Genesis 15. And we ask the question, are we supposed to emphasize Abraham's faith, verse 6, or are we supposed to emphasize God's huge, huge promises? It's both. It is both. And as we look at God's promises and put alongside Abraham's weak, disobedient faith, we see the power and authority of God. Abraham did not achieve the blessings. Abraham received the blessings. It's not the size of our faith that matters. It's the object of our faith. It's not the size of our faith. It's the object of our faith. Okay. These truths then become crystal clear as we move away from Abraham's questions to God's covenant. God, Remember Abraham asked a couple of questions. We finished our reading in verse 8 and Abraham's second question to God was, God, you tell me you're going to give me all this land, but how do I know that's going to be true? This is where the passage gets really weird. And I hope as we work through it, this becomes one of your favourite passages in the whole Bible. Let's pick it up again at uh, verse 9, Genesis 15, verse 9. He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought them all these cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years." But I'll bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Told you it'd be weird. Now, God told Abraham to go grab some animals, grab a heifer, grab a goat, grab a ram... Uh, grab some birds. God didn't say anything about cutting them up. Abraham did cut them up, though. What was that all about? That's just weird, isn't it? We we read this and go, that's weird. It was not weird back then. Come over to uh, Jeremiah chapter 34 with me. Jeremiah 34. This is a time when God sent his prophet Jeremiah to give God's judgment on God's people. God's people had disobeyed God for so long, he's sending judgment down. Uh, Jeremiah 34 verse 17. Therefore, thus says the Lord, you have not obeyed me by proclaiming liberty, everyone to his brother and to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim to you liberty to the sword, to pestilence and to famine, declares the Lord. I will make you a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. And the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut in two and passed between its parts. 
the officials of Judah, the officials of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests, and all the peoples of the land who pass between the parts of the calf. And I will give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their lives. Their dead bodies shall be food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. That's how contracts were signed back in Abraham and and Jeremiah's day. This covenant is a contract. Let's say two clans were fighting with each other over a parcel of land. They couldn't agree and they didn't want to go to war. The kings would get together and draw up a covenant for usage of the land. And part of the contract was to cut a big animal in half, lay it out, and then the two kings would walk between the carcass and look at each other and say, so be to any of us and our people if we break the terms of this agreement. May it be our bodies slain and spread over the earth for the birds of the sky to come and eat. Makes our contracts look pretty lame, doesn't it? Uh, My uh, eldest son's getting married uh, early next year and uh, they'll have a covenant ceremony, won't they? I reckon we might have to get a cow out the front. Rachel wasn't too keen on that. When God told Abraham to fetch some animals, Abraham knew exactly what God was up to. Abraham knew God was going to call up a covenant. Abraham said, God, how do I know you're going to give me this land? God says, go get some animals. Abraham grabbed them, and the larger ones he cut in two. He knew that a contract was about to be entered into. Very normal back in the day. Weird to us, normal to them. At the same time, it was very unnormal. Something completely unnormal happened in this ceremony, something extraordinary, so extraordinary, you and I must hold on to it for the rest of our lives. And here's where we're shifting from God's covenant into our anchor. We've already heard a clue that this ceremony was extraordinary. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham and a deep darkness as well. Great darkness, great dreadful darkness. Was Abraham asleep or was Abraham tossing and turning because of this dreadful darkness? I'm not sure. Whatever was going on, it must have been something like, I don't know, Maybe like, you know, when the Dementors from Harry Potter appear or the Nazgul from the Lord of the Rings appear, something, something dark and oppressive. Except Genesis 15 is real. This really happened. A dreadful darkness fell upon Abraham. And it was not because an evil something appeared. Notice verses 12 and 13. This dreadful darkness came as the Lord spoke. There's an entire sermon series there just on God's holiness and and the weight of his glory. But we need to quickly move on because I want to show you something very, very important out of these verses. Read from verse 17 with me. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, Behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, 
to your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites and the Jebusites. It wasn't just a land, it was a land inhabited by powerful kings. God says, I'm giving you this land. Now, it's not easy to nail down exactly what that smoking fire pod and flaming torch was. The the original Hebrew, it's difficult, but it is clear what they represent. 500 years later, after Abraham, God is leading his people through the wilderness, and by day, it is through a flaming fire, And by night, by day it's through a pillar of cloud and by night it is through a a fiery flame. The fiery pot uh, in Genesis uh, chapter 15 and and the smoke represents God. God walked between the carcasses. That was unheard of. Normally, both parties would walk through the carcasses or the weaker one would walk through, the the one who had been conquered would walk through. Never the conquering king or it was both parties. This is unheard of. God walks through the carcasses alone. Picture being Abraham for a minute. Plucked from obscurity. Promised that he would have children and those children would have children, many, many descendants. Promised that those descendants would have a land. Promised that those descendants would bring blessing to the whole world. Picture being Abraham for a moment. Of course, Abraham had questions. So would you and I. God, how do I know you're going to give me this land? God then entered into a normal covenant. A heifer, a goat, a ram was cut in two. But then the covenant was no longer normal. God walked through alone. Abraham, he was incapacitated. He was completely flawed. I imagine Abraham had another question. It's definitely a question I have over this covenant. Okay, 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 God. I know you're mighty. I know you're faithful and that you always keep your promises. In my better moments, God, I know that you will always keep your end of the covenant. But God, I won't. I won't be faithful. I will be a disobedient. Friends, God knows that. God declared before Abraham and before the cosmic beings, before you and I right now as we read Genesis 15, that he will keep the covenant. God walked through alone. And if he doesn't keep the covenant, 
May God Almighty be destroyed. May his ever-present, eternal, all-powerful body be cast on the earth for the birds of the air to eat. No wonder why this was a dreadful, dark moment in history. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. I want to show you why I'm calling God's covenant with Abraham our anchor. Hebrews 6, verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. And so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the covenant. God kept his covenant. And none of us have. None of us have. Not Abraham. Not any of Abraham's descendants. Not you, not I. But Jesus has. Jesus, who is the Son of God and the Son of Man. Jesus, who is God, who became human. Jesus is the God-man who came to ratify God's covenant with Abraham. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, a dreadful darkness came on the land from 12 noon till 3 p.m. Jesus, who is God, died on the cross. The cross is the darkest, most dreadful moment in history. And the cross is our sure and steadfast anchor. We've all sinned and fallen short of keeping God's covenant. But our punishment has been taken by Jesus. And our lack of obedience has been utterly fulfilled by Jesus' obedience. When anyone puts their faith in Jesus, Jesus becomes their punishment and Jesus becomes their obedience. Jesus achieved what we could never achieve. Brother, sister, Have you stopped trying to achieve God's blessing? God justifies his children by faith. We receive God's blessing through Jesus Christ. Uh, One of my most memorable fishing trips isn't uh, for catching lots of fish. Uh, It's because a boat almost ran up on the rocks. Uh, as we're fishing away and catching a few, uh, we realise we're starting to drift in closer to the rocks. Our anchor didn't hold. And, and at first there was no panic. You know, Two of us, one each, grabbed an oar and we started paddling as quick as we could and 
getting nowhere against the current, getting closer into the rocks. Uh, the motor wouldn't start, but eventually it did. I reckon that's a good metaphor of life, isn't it? We, we all need a solid anchor. Because the currents, the waves, the, the storms will hit us. We all get hit by situations that cause us to ask big questions. What, what, what's the point of all of this? Why, why am I here? Could God ever love me? Does anyone else like me? Like, am I the only one who asks those questions? Well, I feel like this until I die. Now, now we can work out ways of ignoring those questions. You know, we can get really busy. We can get really distracted. We set about achieving our identity or burying our identity. And sometimes we just get overwhelmed. Have you ever stopped to ask, why is it that sometimes worry just feels insurmountable? Sometimes anger feels unquenchable. Why is some self-loathing crippling? Why does some sin seem unstoppable? It's because we don't trust God. God Almighty told Abraham, Fear not. I am your shield. I will never leave you or forsake you. But we often, like Abraham, ask God, how can I know? And God's answer is the same for every wave, every current, every storm, every anxiety, every broken relationship, every sickness. Look to my son. He's your anchor. Look to my son. I have kept the covenant. Yes, you have failed me. But I sent Jesus to die for you. Put your faith in my son. Put your faith in my covenant. Put your faith in my love. You can never achieve my love. But through my son, you can receive my love. Brother, sister, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only anchor guaranteed to hold. Let's pray. And Sean, are there any questions? Yeah, okay. Let's pray and then there's a couple of questions. Father God, oh, make our hearts believe. Help us lift our eyes and see you and all of your glory and majesty. Help us to look back at the cross and see that you have done it all. Help us to look forward and see that your son is returning and he is going to take us into glory. And would you and he and by your spirit be our anchor, Father. Oh, Father, take our faith, take our little faith, 
and keep growing it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our latest sermon, or better yet, join us live at 9.30 or 5 p.m. Sunday. You can find all the details on our website at tpcc.org.au.